announcements, I should give this job back to Cece. Um, first of all, apologize for not plugging me, for not plugging in the coffee um, early. So uh, coffee was a little bit like iced tea, but I think if you want a cup of coffee right now, it is ready. So that's just uh, one announcement. So that was my fault. Um, secondly, um, next Sunday is May 16th, and we are going to have a little old-fashioned church potluck. And... Uh, yeah, so uh, right across the street that way at Heisinga Park, uh, beautiful park, and so bring a dish to pass, um, and we'll enjoy lunch together, we'll get, uh, the church will get um, uh, paper plates and napkins and all of that stuff, and, uh, and also uh, we're going to get cake, because we're going to celebrate next Sunday our graduates, uh, those who are graduating from high school, and even if you have a college graduate, that's awesome. Uh, just do me a favor, if you have a graduate, let me know who they are, shoot me a picture, uh, their senior picture and a baby picture, because we want to see uh, the transformation that took place. Uh, baby picture and uh, a, a senior picture. And then after our service together, we'll go over to the park and have a, have a uh, lunch all together. I did hear that someone, I won't mention their name, uh, but someone, uh, maybe named Kurt, uh, is going to be um, smoking some meat, some ribs. And he's bringing that to share. So when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, so get over there, get over there quick. So um, I think that's it. Um, I have just been so encouraged lately with all that God is doing. Uh, God is is working in powerful ways in this community, in this in, in our in this church, in this community, all around. Um, last night, I'll just uh, to share a couple of testimonies. Last night, I worship in the woods. I don't have a picture up uh, there, but uh, six people were baptized. Um, six people were baptized, giving their life to Jesus, uh, taking that huge step. And that was on top of just a couple hours of worshiping together in, in the woods. And just powerful, powerful stuff is happening. And you think like, okay, baptisms, that's awesome. Celebrate that. That's huge. Um, this water was cold. Like, it was just out of the hose, and they still went in. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's dedication. Um, also... Uh, last week, Josh was up here sharing about youth group and a need for a couple people to, to step up and, and help out. And a couple people connected with Josh and uh, helped this week. And so that is, is huge. And one young woman uh, in our community, I won't uh, name names, high school student, uh, has been speaking life into some middle school girls. And that is just powerful. And I know um, just a personal testimony, my daughter was really blessed by that. Uh, by this high school student speaking life into her. And so uh, just really cool. And then the guys going uh, downtown, men going downtown on, on Wednesday praying for people. Uh, downtown Holland, um, heard some stories about that. That's, you know, just is really cool to see God being at work uh, in the community. Because we can be so, and I said this before, we can be focused on the negative and that can overwhelm us. Or we can be focused on what Jesus is doing. And his kingdom is constantly advancing. And that's what he says is going to happen. And is constantly advancing in our midst. And so I don't want to, to miss it. And I don't want to ever uh, not celebrate all that Jesus is doing. And there are so many more stories that could be shared. Uh, but this morning I want to, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And last week Marta did a phenomenal job uh, leading us through John 14 through 16. And just teaching about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and really that's what again stood out to me. I'm like, this is such a gift that we've been given in the Holy Spirit. The very, um, the Holy Spirit being God, the very, very Spirit of God dwelling in us and with us to lead us and to guide us. And when we have a problem, when we have a question, we can be like, all right, Father, like, what do you want? Like, what's your direction? What's your plan for this? Holy Spirit, lead my life. And I always want us to be people that, 
that live that way, where that's a very normal part of our life. But I want to pick up where, uh, where Marta kind of left off in John 16. In John 16, verse 14, there is a, a verse where it highlights the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is talking in John 16, and in verse 14, it just simply says this. He says, He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. He will glorify me. That's the the purpose of the Spirit. The the purpose of the Spirit is to bring glory and honor to Jesus and to the Father. You know, in in this world, uh, we see a a physical world. We see like physical stand, music stand and floor. But we have to remember that this world is, is more than physical. This world is really spiritual. And a friend of mine told me one time that across in Africa, they said, uh, you know, you in America, you think this world is physical with a little spiritual side. He says, over here, we believe that the world is spiritual with a little physical side. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they are a little bit more correct than we are. That this world is deeply spiritual. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there are a lot of spirits that are trying to get our attention. That are trying to speak. And, and so I look at this verse and I look at, at, at what Jesus said the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. One of the ways that we can test the Holy Spirit, one of the ways we can test the Spirit is test what we're hearing. And we're really strongly encouraged to is to make sure that the Spirit, what we're hearing, what we're sensing, is bringing honor and glory to Jesus. John in 1 John 4 says this. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. <clears throat> But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in this world already. And so as we go through and we're talking about the Holy Spirit and as we hear things and sense things, the number one test that you can apply to your life is, does this point to Jesus? Does this bring glory and honor to Jesus? Does it, does it confess that Jesus was sent from the Father? Because at the end of the day, that's what life is all about. Colossians 1 says everything was created by Jesus and everything was created for Jesus. The purpose of the whole universe, is to bring glory and honor to Jesus. And that's pretty sobering when you think about our lives, because it's very contrary to the American life. When everything is like pointed at us, and pleasing us, and it's all about us. And this is really convicting when you think like everything is actually, at the end of the day, to bring glory and honor to Jesus. I remember reading the Purpose Driven Life book years ago, And if you've never read the Purpose Driven Life book, it opens up with these simple words up on the screen. It's not about you. And I remember reading that and stopping dead in my tracks like, wait, life isn't about me? Like, I'm hearing completely opposite messages. Wait, I thought life was about me because people are like doing this and this and this. And no, like, it's not about us. At the end of the day, our lives are simply to be used As a vessel to point other people to Jesus. To bring glory and honor to Jesus. And that is the the purpose of the Spirit. This purpose of the Spirit at work in us is to bring glory and honor to Jesus. Make sure that it's all about Jesus. And so on this Mother's Day, on this Sunday, it's a question that we have to wrestle. Is in our lives, 
are we pointing people to Jesus? Are we living out this purpose where it's not about us? It's not about our, our, our safety, our security, our comfort. It's all about pointing people to Jesus. And as I read Acts and as we go through Acts, I see that this is what they were all about. The Spirit-filled life, as they were walking in the power of the Spirit, they were all about proclaiming and testifying the greatness of Jesus. Everything that they did was pointing people to Jesus. Turn to Acts chapter 2, and I want to read the message that Peter proclaims in Acts chapter 2. And these are, these are the words. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had just fallen. And people are like, what is going on with these people? Because they are acting differently. They're speaking in tongues. And, and what they're saying, I can hear in my own native language. And people are like, what's going on? They must be drunk. And Peter stands up and he says, you know, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Which, again, every time I read that, I laugh. Like, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, these guys aren't drunk. But then he shares what is happening. He talks about the fact that God had prophesied that this was going to happen, that his spirit would fall on all people, men and women, young and old, servants, all people. The spirit would fall on all people. And Peter then stands up, and this is the message that he proclaims as he is filled with the spirit. He says this, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted and at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You know, I read that, that message that Peter proclaims. And he first often is all throughout the message is just saturated with Jesus. And he says, Jesus, let me just remind you that Jesus was a real person. That, that you saw him. You saw his mighty works back in verse 22. You saw the wonders and the signs that God did through him. You knew him. You saw him. You heard his teaching. 
Jesus was a, a, a real person. You saw him die. You thought it was your plan, your perfect plan, but, but this was God's plan all along, and you saw him rise from the dead. Peter said that Jesus is, this, is a real person, and history shows that, that Jesus was a real person who walked this earth. You know, this is scripture, and I believe it's God, you know, God's word, and it's inspired. But this was also written a couple, you know, 10, 20, 30 years after Jesus uh, was walking this planet. And so this is a historical book as well, because it shows that it's people who were eyewitnesses talking and, and writing about what they saw and what they heard just uh, 10, 20, 30 years after. And so there, Peter is saying, Jesus is a, a real person. He walked with us. He talked with us. But on top of that, he was the one who, who was talked about for thousands of years before. And he brings up their patriarch David, the one who was like, you know, the, you know, the, the goat of, of their, you know, of Israel. Like, he was the greatest. He's like, remember David. David had these pictures. David talked about Jesus who was to come. Remember 2 Samuel 7. When God appeared to David, and David's like, I'm going to build you a house. And God says, no, sit down, David. I'm going to build you a house. Your kingdom is going to, your throne is going to go on forever and ever and ever. My son Jesus is going to come from you. And for thousands of years, there were prophecy after prophecy pointing to Jesus. And then Peter said, if that's not enough, we witnessed his resurrection. We saw him after he was dead. We saw him alive. And it wasn't just a couple people. It was Hundreds of people saw Jesus. And I think about this message that Peter is proclaiming, the message of Jesus. And it is such a solid message that it was based on a real person. Jesus is a real person who was prophesied and who rose from the dead. And everything that they did, everything that they spoke about was all about the person of Jesus. Just think about all the different messages through the book of Acts. In Acts 3, Peter and John, they come to this, this guy who was crippled since birth. And the Lord heals him. And there he is standing and dancing and jumping around. And Peter and John use that as an opportunity to proclaim Jesus. In Acts 4, listen to the boldness of their message as they are being persecuted. As people are saying, hey, be quiet about this message. This is what they said. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven among given among men by which we must be saved. Fast forward one chapter, and again they're telling Peter and John and others to be quiet. They're like, stop talking about Jesus. Stop proclaiming this message. And this is what they said. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. Over and over again, the message that they proclaimed was all about Jesus. In Acts 8, as Philip goes to Samaria, there he proclaims Jesus. As he's sitting by the Ethiopian eunuch, he's teaching them, him about Jesus all the way through the Old Testament. Acts 9, as Saul is transformed, the first thing that he does, he goes into the synagogue and starts arguing with people that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah that was to come. In Acts 16, as Paul is, is, is in jail and then at midnight, all of a sudden the, the shackles are released and this jailer was about to kill himself. And Paul says, no, don't kill yourself, you know, and then he presents the gospel. And he says, it's all about Jesus. Turn and put your faith in Jesus. 
In Ephesus, Paul is preaching to a crowd that was worshiping an idol. And he says, this idol, this, this wooden thing is not God. Let me tell you about Jesus. And there's a big uproar in Ephesus and a riot breaks up. And Paul is boldly for two years proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. He doesn't shrink back from the message. Fast forward to Acts 24. Paul is in front of King Agrippa. And there he's proclaiming the gospel to the point where King Agrippa says, what, do you want me to become a Christian as well? And Paul says, you know what, I hope that everybody becomes a Christian. And at the very end of his life, this is what Paul was doing in Acts 28, as he lived in Rome for two whole years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Over and over and over again, this was their message. The message of Jesus. And they used every occasion they had. Whether they were talking to an ordinary person, whether they were talking to an influential person, they were like, let me tell you about Jesus. Romans 1, 16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. They lived that. They were not ashamed of the gospel. They were going around and telling proudly about the hope that they had in Jesus, about the good news that had come to the earth in Jesus, that there was salvation and as I was thinking about this this week, I had to ask, like, am I that bold in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I that bold, are we that bold proclaiming the good news that we have found in Jesus? That, that Jesus is God, that he lived a sinless life, that he came to this earth, that he took your sin and my sin on his shoulder, dying a death that we deserved on the cross. And that three days later, he conquered sin and death, raising again from the dead, and now he's seated at the right hand of God. And if we put our faith in him, that our sins are washed away and we're a new creation in Christ. Are we boldly proclaiming that message? Are we living the life like they lived in, in Acts where they weren't ashamed of the gospel? Because they believed it was the power of God for salvation for all who believed. You know, when it comes to it, the gospel, just the simple gospel that we are loved by God. That our sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. That message alone has the power to transform a life. And yes, it's an old message. It's a message that has been around for 2,000 years. But it's the only message that I have ever heard that has a power to transform a heart, to transform a life. And are we boldly and passionately proclaiming it? And you know what? It is a very narrow message. It's a very uh, narrow, non-tolerant message. It's like, you know what? There is only one way. But look at the promise for salvation, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for all who believe. And I think about their witness and how they just weren't compromising on this message. And it's a huge challenge to us today. It's a huge challenge today. We can't compromise the message of the gospel. We can't shrink back from proclaiming the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus. You know, we live in a culture that is, is really loudly proclaiming a message of tolerance mm. and just saying, you know what? We have to tolerate one another. We have to love one another. And really what they're saying is like, if you disagree with someone, they'll, they'll say, well, you don't love them. Not true. I disagree with many of you in this, in this crowd. I disagree with you on sports teams. And I still love you. Disagree with you on uh, maybe even some, uh, some political opinions. We are, can be on so many different perspectives but even if we disagree with one another, we can still love one another. 
But I think the most loving thing that we can do, if we truly believe this message that there is only one way to God, that there's only one way to have eternal life, and it's through Jesus. The most loving thing that we can do is boldly share that. I remember listening to an interview by a guy uh, by the name of uh, Penn and Teller, the magicians. And Penn, who is, I think, the tallest, taller guy. He's an atheist. And a guy came up to him, I believe, in Las Vegas with a Bible. And Penn said, this guy was so nice. He just approached me and he said, here's a, a Bible. And someone said, well, you're an atheist. Like, you know, isn't that rude? And he said, you know what? It's not rude. It's actually the most loving thing you can do. If you believe there's only one way to God, then you should proclaim that. You should tell people about it. And then he said this. If you believe in it, how much would, do you hate somebody? Would it, how much would, what it said, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? And that word like really hit me. It's like if you really believe this, if we really believe this, how much do we have to hate people not to tell them? We need to boldly be proclaiming this, even in this midst of this, this culture of, of tolerance. You know what? There is one way, and his name is Jesus. And people need to hear this. This must be our message. We're always looking for the new and the latest and the greatest. But here's the thing. We have an old message that we can proclaim in new ways. But we have to share it. We have to keep it simple. We have to just go to the different areas where we are going in our lives and boldly proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus. You know, there are so many ways that you can share this message. You can draw a diagram, and I can teach people how to do that. You can share passages, you know, walk through Romans, Romans 3, and Romans 6, and Romans 10, and, and share some passages. But what I have found to be the most effective way is if you share just out of what you've experienced. Share that Jesus is your best friend, that, that he has given you life, that he has forgiven you of all your sins, that share the experience that you have had. And I believe as a people, we need to live this spirit-filled life. And wherever we're going, talking about the hope that we have in Jesus. When I think about the church, I think uh, this is our greatest contribution to the world. When you look at humanity, 100% of people born today and who are living today have... A horrible disease called sin. Horrible disease called sin. And that sin separates them from a loving God who just so wants a relationship with them. 100% of people are infected with this. And Jesus is their only hope. As a church, we have to be proclaiming that. Mm -hmm. We have to be sharing that with people. You know, it's looking for opportunities to do that. And I'm all about serving. I'm all about uh, looking for ways that we can come alongside people and care for people and serve them and give them a drink of water if needed. And I'm all about ending suffering. I don't want to see anybody suffer. But as a church, we have to be about ending suffering both here and forever. Mm-hmm. Because there is eternal suffering. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people don't want us to be talking about that. But there's eternal separation from God. And the only cure is Jesus. And so in your life, Are you living your life pointing people to Jesus? Are you living your life uh, by the way you live pointing people to Jesus? But also are you proclaiming the hope that you have found in Jesus? There's that old phrase that says, you know, um, uh, what does it say? I wrote it down here. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. We're supposed to live our life in such a way that people see the hope that we have. And I'm all for that. 
But there comes a time when we have to use our words and we have to open up our mouth and tell people about Jesus. I'll end with this. Romans 10 says this, 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You realize that you're sent people. That you are people that have a message. And that message is Jesus. And people in this community desperately need to hear it. Are we living our lives boldly proclaiming the hope that we have in Jesus? Because that is really at the end of the day what a spirit-filled life looks like. All bringing glory and honor to Jesus. And so as we wrap up our time this morning, I want to go into a time of worship. But also what I want to do is there are going to be a couple people in the back praying for uh, being available to pray for you. The thought that I had is like sometimes, and I'll just admit it, sometimes I'm a little nervous to talk about Jesus to people. I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to transition into this conversation? What is this going to look like? I don't know. And at the end of the day, I just need that boldness that comes from the Spirit just to enter into the conversation. And it will be clunky. It will be awkward. Um, And I've had awkward moments in conversations. But I want us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with this boldness to pray, to, to talk to people about Jesus. And so if you want to be prayed for, for boldness, for filling of the Spirit to go and proclaim the goodness that you found in Jesus, I would love for those in the back to pray for you. Pray that you'd be filled up with that boldness to go. Let's stand together. Let's worship. And even as we worship, may that be the prayer of our heart.